Roger Stone, who's back home. He's only 21. Thank you, sir, for coming back. I appreciate it. Uh, Roger Stone is in the house. Great to be here. So what's new, Roger? What's going on in your life? Uh, I'm involved in the existential struggle uh, to save this country. Uh, Clearly, uh, our constitutional freedoms are completely at risk. We have a completely weaponized judicial system. Uh, we are, uh, we're so busy tracking parents who are concerned about the curriculum being taught to their kids or maybe choosing to attend the Latin mass. The FBI is so focused on them, they don't seem to be able to focus on radical Islamic terrorists who most likely slipped over our southern border where we've taken in 10 million uh, illegals without having any idea who these people are. So, for example, we know there was 128, I think, people who are on the FBI uh, stop list who were stopped as terrorists. How many got through that we don't know about? So, I mean, I think the country's in very, very dire straits. Uh, they are uh, trying to limit what we see on the Internet. They're trying to limit what we see in entertainment. Uh, they're trying to, uh, they're spying on us. We have, a, we have a, uh, we're told that it's good news that the FBI is only down to 278,000 warrantless surveillances, down from far more. That's supposed to be progress. Uh, the cost of a tank of gasoline is out of sight. The price of groceries has a 76% increase. If you can find them, because going to the grocery store, half the shelves uh, are empty. Uh, But we can't spend the money to seal our southern border because we have to ship billions to Ukraine for a war that, trust me, the Ukrainians are losing. Where where our inherent national interest uh, is not only not present, but we're in violation of a treaty. And the Budapest Accords... We specifically agreed uh, with the Russians that if they allowed the reunification of East and West Germany, we would not push Ukraine uh, into NATO. We would move not an inch closer uh, to to uh, to Mother Russia. Uh, and this is that's what this war is really about. We want to put NATO missiles. They've already built the silos. We want to drop the missiles into them, pointed at Russia. Huh. A violation. Uh, of an accord uh, that we agreed to with the Russians. Uh, It's no different than when the the Russians dropped uh, missiles in Cuba 90 miles from our shore. John Kennedy objected. Uh, The matter was ultimately resolved, one of the issues that led to his murder. Uh, But you can see how the Russians uh, would, uh, would, uh, would object. And it's now clear uh, I picked most of this up from Glenn Greenwald, who, although his politics are not mine, I have a lot of respect for. The United States has scuttled any peace talks. We never even needed to have this war. We could have resolved this in negotiations at the beginning. But uh, NATO, and more precisely the United States, insisted in this grinding war in which people's lives are being destroyed, which tens of thousands of people have been killed. Uh, or left homeless or left as refugees, it is unconscionable that we now know that several opportunities to end the war through peaceful negotiation were scuttled by Anthony Blinky Blinken. And if that guy isn't doing an eight ball, I don't know who is. Look at him when he's sitting next to Biden. He's jumpy. Look at his pupils. No, something's not right with that guy. No, no, no. He, he, he's on rocket fuel, that guy, 100%. Now, 
when did you see, you've been doing this forever, when did you see the media where it made a, a hard turn where the media was changing the public opinion, you know, with elections, with everything? Where I think it really starts, I think it all starts in 1963. Yeah. See, I think Dwight Eisenhower, who was a very great president, doesn't really get credit because he's such a low-key stylistically, uh, but he won World War II. Uh, and he liked to kind of pretend like he was a confused old fogey, but there was nothing confused about him. You don't get to the top of the army if you don't understand politics. And you had unprecedented peace and prosperity under Eisenhower. Eisenhower, a military guy, resists uh, every effort by the defense contractors and what he called the military-industrial complex to have an unbalanced budget. Eisenhower has eight years of a balanced budget. They keep saying, we need more weapons. We need to be able to kill everybody in the world eight times. And Eisenhower says, no, wait a minute. You have enough weapons now to kill everyone in the world one time. I think that's sufficient. We're not spending anymore. We're not going into deficit spending. But Eisenhower, on his way out, warns about the buildup of the military-industrial complex. Mm -hmm. What is that? Today, we call it the deep state. It's the same thing. Uh, it is the unelected bureaucrats in the national security apparatus. It's the intelligence agencies. It's the Pentagon. It's the think tanks uh, that are funded mostly by the defense contractors. And it's the defense contractors themselves. War, as you know, Tommy, is extraordinarily profitable for oh, yeah. some people. Uh, and I think 1963 uh, and the murder of John Kennedy, which we have just, uh, uh, I wouldn't say celebrated, but recognized the 60th anniversary of, that is the, that is the beginning uh, of where we are today. In other words, that is the, the bloody coup in which these unelected bureaucrats, uh, the deep state, take control of America. And they do it with the acquiescence uh, of the media. Uh, through the Mockingbird program, uh, the Central Intelligence Agency, as we now know, has infiltrated first then newspapers and television. Ultimately, they, of course, infiltrate uh, the Internet. Uh, so I think it all yeah. kind of begins. It all begins in 1963. You can draw a direct line from the brutal murder of John Kennedy uh, they got what they wanted. We went deeper and deeper in Vietnam. Lyndon Johnson, his wife, Lady Bird, they have hundreds of thousands of shares of Bell helicopter stock, General <laughs> Dynamic stock. Isn't so that funny? How coincidental. Yeah. They, they make millions wow. on the war. Millions on oh, the war. Lucky yeah. uh, the, uh, the, uh, the media, uh, uh, pardon me, those, I think, who killed Kennedy uh, for the same reason. Remember what Kennedy said? He's going to smash the CIA uh, into a million pieces and scatter them to the wind. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, in retrospect, and I'm a Nixon guy, as you know, but uh, taking a different view, John Kennedy uh, was uncontrollable. I mean, first of all, he, he had his own personal wealth because his father was a gangster bootlegger and built a family fortune. He was an ardent anti-communist. Uh, he favored a, a substantial defense buildup because he believed that Eisenhower had made a bad decision not to rearm. Really? Uh, he favored a silverback dollar. Uh, he cut federal taxes on everybody because he understood a rising tide lifts all boats. Uh, he had a deep distrust of the intelligence agencies because they had lied to him about the 
the Bay of Pigs invasion. That was a U.S.-sponsored invasion of Cuba uh, using Cuban refugees to storm the beaches. Uh, and uh, the the plan for the Bay of Pigs invasion actually was born under Eisenhower. Really? Uh, that wor- was born under Eisenhower? A, a working group headed by Vice President Richard Nixon hmm. planned the entire Bay of Pigs invasion. But the Bay of Pigs invasion plan, as approved by John Kennedy, includes 29 Panamanian-flagged bombers that are supposed to be flown by Cuban pilots to provide air cover for the men who are storming the beaches. Unknown to JFK, Charles Cable, the number two man in the CIA, whose brother Earl Cable just happens to be the mayor of Dallas and a protege of LBJ, cancels the bombers so there's no air cover uh, to protect the men storming the beaches. The entire plan leaks to Castro. He knows exactly when they're coming. He knows exactly where they're coming. Cuban sharpshooters are cutting the men to ribbons as they try to land on the beaches. And now Curtis LeMay, uh, who is uh, the head of the Air Force, goes to John Kennedy and says, there's only one way to save this, Mr. President. We have to send in the U.S. Air Force. In other words, we uh, and Kennedy says that will provoke the Russians. Uh, that blows our cover because we have always maintained that this was an indigenous uh, you know, Cuban uprising. I needed at least to have plausible deniability. Uh, so the CIA blames Kennedy for the failure. Kennedy blames the CIA for the failure because the plan was flawed to begin with. The most important part of the plan was a guarantee to Kennedy that the Cuban people would rise up and join those who were storming the beaches and oust Castro. And of course, That's that right. didn't happen. Uh, and then there's the there's the Cuban Missile Crisis. The Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, as we know, Nikita Khrushchev, the Russian dictator, drops intercontinental ballistic missiles uh, into Cuba aimed at the United States. First of all, this comes as a giant surprise to our intelligence agencies. Uh, there's no warning for JFK. Uh, And then, as we now know, but we didn't know then, because it was classified for 40 years, the Kennedy brothers make a deal with Khrushchev to remove our missiles from Italy and Turkey, our NATO missiles, change the balance of power in Europe in return for a pledge uh, by Khrushchev to remove the missiles from Cuba. But there's no on-site inspections to ever determine whether that actually happened. Uh, So the CIA uh, and Kennedy have a a broken relationship. It is one of the motivations of the CIA involvement uh, in John Kennedy's murder. But I draw, we'll come back to it, but I draw a direct line from the murder of Kennedy to the removal of Richard Nixon in a bloodless coup, what we call Watergate, to uh, the attempted removal of Ronald Reagan uh, through Iran-Contra, Uh, to the attempted removal of Donald Trump, uh, first in the Russian collusion hoax, uh, and then in two completely fugazi impeachments when there are no grounds for his removal. It's the same people. It's not the same actual individuals, obviously, but it's the same institutions. It's the national security apparatus. It's the CIA. It's the FBI. It's the permanent government in place. Uh, Terrific new documentary, Police State, which you absolutely uh, must see. Extraordinary by Dinesh D'Souza. 
uh, I was honored to be invited to the uh, premiere at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, it, it's an, it's, uh, there's a scene in which the FBI raids this couple's home, uh, and it, it hit so close to home for me, I had to go to the men's room and throw up. I actually, it actually made me physically ill, made my wife uh, 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 sick, because uh, they, they, they trash your home. They go through everything you own. They were in my house the morning they raided me for 13 hours. Mm. They destroyed the place. You know what they found? Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. Because there was no Russian hours. collusion to, to take place, so therefore there was no evidence of it. 13 hours. They destroyed oh. my home, uh, my office, uh, my apartment in New York. Destroyed. Just trashed the place. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex. Guys, remember the days when you're always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. Bluechew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, aqua conversations, waiting in line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. Does it work? Don't think you need it? Try it free for a month and see. You're going to love it. You could be missing the best sex of your life. They say there's nothing sexier than confidence. And Blue Chew can help give you the confidence where it counts. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code MSCS at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. Promo code MSCS to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. We thank BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Fiji. More than just water. This is not just rock. It's ancient volcanic rock that filters tropical rain, giving it double the electrolytes and its signature soft, smooth taste. It's not just water. It's Fiji water. And the and the other January 6th guys that we had in, some of them are in. They're not giving the medical that they need. They're putting them in solitary confinement. They're doing all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah, there's no there is no due process. No. I mean, we 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 violate the Geneva Geneva Conventions uh, in our treatment of the January 6th defendants. We treat terrorists better than we treat American citizens. Uh, uh, it's it's a very sick. Pull but, by uh, the site to get the book because that's a great connection of when this kind of all started with, with the media persuading, manipulating, gaslighting. I mean, it's perfect. It really is. But something something radical has changed though, because, uh, for example, the the New York Times actually covers the fact that this guy Paul Landis, an eighty eight year old uh, former Secret Service agent, retired comes forward after all these years and says, no, the bullet that was found on John Connolly's stretcher in Parkland Hospital, the bullet that the Warren Commission claims hit Kennedy, passed through Kennedy, hit Connolly, 
ultimately lodged in his thigh and dropped onto the stretcher. No, that bullet actually, I found that bullet in the back of the limousine, uh, and I placed it on John Kennedy's stretcher uh, next to him on Park in Parkland Hospital. The New York Times actually covers this story. A woman named Phyllis Hill, who's a nurse at Parkland, comes forward to say, I saw him place the bullet there. Really? So he's even got an, an eyewitness. Uh, the significance here is that that basically destroys the so-called magic bullet theory. Uh, the Warren Commission, which was really uh, a part-time job, knows nobody on the Warren Commission, they, I think they met once. Explain what uh, the Warren Commission is for those who so, don't know, so, younger So generation. after John Kennedy was killed, the American people want to know how this happened. J. Edgar Hoover, the head of the FBI, completes his entire investigation in seven days flat. Holy shit. Lee, Har- Lee Harvey Oswald, a lone nut, uh, a communist, uh, acting alone, killed John F. Kennedy. Uh, and Lyndon Johnson is going to have the governor of Texas, John Connolly, appoint a state commission to study and report to the country about uh, who killed Kennedy. But Johnson's advisors say, look, that's not going to fly. You know, you are Mr. Texas. Everybody's going to assume that you controlled it. It has to be a a federal panel uh, to investigate this. They're really not investigating anything. What they're being asked to do is to rubber stamp Hoover's already completed investigation. So His seven-day investigation. Right, and he brings in a very young prosecutor from Philadelphia named Arlen Specter, oh, yeah. later a U.S. <laughs> senator, yeah. friend of mine. Uh, many, many nights uh, sitting over martinis arguing with Arlen Specter about his completely cockamamie magic bullet theory. Uh, but... Uh, it's interesting that the commission uh, is uh, is headed by Earl Warren, who's the chief justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. Warren doesn't want this job, but you can listen to the recording of Johnson cajoling him, saying, uh, Chief, if the American people know what really happened here, it would mean World War III, implying, which is not true, that the Russians or the Cubans had anything to do with the murder of John Kennedy. They did not. Uh, He also appoints uh, Gerald Ford, later to be president of the United States, which is significant. Uh, Then a congressman, the minority leader of the U.S. House. He appoints Hale Boggs. Uh, Hale Boggs uh, didn't didn't really buy the Warren Commission uh, findings. Very strangely, his plane goes down in Alaska. He's never seen or heard from again. Interesting. uh, uh, It also uh, uh, includes uh, Richard Russell. Uh, the senator from Georgia, who's kind of a mentor uh, to uh, to LBJ, John Sherman Cooper, uh, the senator from uh, of Kentucky, known as the conscience of the Senate. Uh, and the problem is that once Specter essentially represents uh, the findings of the FBI investigation, Lee Harvey Oswald, a lone nut. Uh, shot and killed John Kennedy, three shots, all from the back, uh, all on a bolt-action, leaky uh, Carcano Italian army carbine, uh, carbine left over from World War II. Uh, Cooper and Boggs uh, and Russell are skeptical. They're just not buying it. We now know, because of the enormous change, not only because Paul Landis came forward, 
Uh, but Paramount actually green-lighted and produced a documentary, uh, which has just come out, What the Parkland Doctors Saw. Uh, and you have six doctors uh, who attended JFK at Parkland Hospital, and all of them say that the wounds they saw in Kennedy were consistent with his being shot from the front and the back. Well, if Kennedy was shot from the front and the back, uh, that means there was a conspiracy. There had to be more than one shooter. The New York Times actually did a review of that book, uh, of that uh, documentary. Uh, so now you Getting add to that, the New York add Times. to that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. coming out very articulately making the case of the CIA's involvement, which is accurate for reasons I've already explained. Uh, uh, and you add to that, here's the greatest possible insult. Rob Reiner, remember him, mm -hmm. Meathead. Mm -hmm. He's come out and said he's figured it out. Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald uh, didn't do it. Uh, there are four shooters, and you can buy his 10-part podcast, ha. Don't oh, waste yeah. your money. I proved all of that <laughs> right, right here, here right in 2013. You can go to themanwhokilledkennedy.com. Themanwhokilledkennedy.com and get this book. I mean, seriously, fuck Rob Reiner. Where's he been? And you'll sign it. I, and mine will be signed. Play it. Play, play a little bit. You want to know who really killed John F. Kennedy? The man who killed Kennedy. The case against LBJ. Get your signed copy today. Again, the man who killed Kennedy uh, dot com. Check it out. And where does where does the talk of where Bobby Kennedy, you know, the mob, the Italian mob, one part of this? Where do they come in with all this? Well, see, I, I make the case uh, that uh, John Kennedy was murdered as the result of a domestic conspiracy that involved the Central Intelligence Agency. I've already told you what their motives were. Right. Uh, it also involved the mob uh, in 1959. Ambassador Joseph P. Kennedy, uh, who had served as ambassador uh, to England, uh, to Britain under FDR, had been fired because he got a little too close to a guy named Adolf Hitler. <laughs> uh, but he's in the bootlegging business with Frank Costello in New York. So he's a gangster himself. Uh, he dabbles in motion pictures. He, he's, he's a very wealthy man. Uh he convenes a, a meeting of all the heads of all the families in Chicago, uh, hosted by Sam Giancana, who runs the mob in Chicago. Uh, and uh, everybody is there uh, from all the families, uh, the Bonanno family, the Gambino family, and so on. He said, he's very audacious. My son is going to be president, and I'm leaving here today with $1 million, uh, uh, and uh, that's the way it's going to be. Well, Mickey Cohen, who heads the mob in Los Angeles, uh, and Camel Hump Humphreys, who runs the mob uh, in Las Vegas, they storm out of the meeting. They say, fuck you. We own Dick Nixon. We've been financing Nixon since his Senate days. He's going to be the next president. We're out. So they leave. But ultimately, a deal is agreed to in which Ambassador Kennedy uh, agrees that a Kennedy Justice Department uh, will lay off the deportation proceedings against Carlos Marcello, who runs the mob in Texas uh, and uh, Louisiana, uh, and Santo Traficante, hmm. uh, a particularly vicious gangster who ran the mob in Florida. Uh, so Joe Kennedy gets his million dollars, uh, and uh, he gets they get a guarantee 
that the that the deportation proceedings against Marcelo and Traficante will be dropped if JFK becomes president. Well, Kennedy becomes president. The mob helps by twisting arms in Chicago, twisting arms in Texas, twisting arms in some of the early primaries, actually, in West Virginia. So the mob delivers not only cash, but, shall we say, manpower. Because uh, he was down, right? Uh, well, it was, it was very, close. very close. It was exceedingly close. Uh, it was, in the end, uh, if you read my book, Tricky Dick, The Rise and Fall and Rise of Richard M. Nixon, I make a very good case about the fact that that election was stolen. Uh, Nixon made a number of key mistakes. Uh, John Kennedy ran a brilliant campaign, but in the end, he had to count on Mayor Richard Daley to steal it for him in Illinois. But just as importantly, he had to count on his running mate, Lyndon Johnson, who's a master at this, <laughs> to steal it for him in Texas. Texas has a very interesting ballot. Here's how it works. the paper ballot. You circle the names of all the people you are not for, and you leave the people who you're voting for uncircled. Really? Yes. Wow. That's weird. So the problem is, it's a weird, it's a weird setup, Very but that odd. was the state law, except for it was applied differently depending on what county you were in. Oh, oh so, shit. So in Dallas County, for That's example, uh, the Kennedy-Johnson ticket only carries Texas by 25,000 votes, but 95,000 Nixon Lodge ballots <laughs> are, that, are, that are improperly made out are burned uh, on the night of the election. Uh, Johnson, who's a master at vote stealing, steals Texas. Anyway... Bobby becomes Attorney General, Robert Kennedy, father of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who's running today. Uh, and not only does he lay off Marcelo uh, and Traficante, he becomes more aggressive. Uh, Marcelo goes to sign in weekly at the Immigration Services office. They actually kidnap him, fly him to Guatemala and dump him in the desert, dump him in the jungle because he claims he's from Guatemala. Wow. Uh, he ultimately... Uh, makes his way back uh, to the United States. The pilot who flies him is this David Ferry, uh, who is uh, connected uh, to the Kennedy assassination uh, through uh, uh, the Garrison investigation in, in New Orleans, uh, played by Joe Pesci uh, in the great uh, Oliver Stone movie, uh, JFK. Very strange individual. So the mob is double-crossed. Yeah. There's their motive. Uh, and, and they are also involved here. Uh, Big Texas Oil hates John Kennedy because he wants to repeal, repeal the oil depletion allowance, uh, which would have cost men like H.L. Hunt, D.H. Byrd, uh, Clint Murchison Sr., millions of dollars more in taxes. Uh, and of course, uh, the banks are opposed to Kennedy's insistence uh, on uh, a silver-backed dollar. Kennedy wants a silver-backed dollar. And explain what a silver-backed dollar is. Well, to today your money is backed by paper. I mean, right. originally, your, the $1 certificate was supposed to be uh, backed by either gold or silver. Somewhere in Fort Knox, there was the money that this paper certificate in your pocket represented or the, 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 the commodity. Uh, once we left that, then inflation... Uh, and the wild spending we've experienced were thirty trillion dollars in debt. Oh, by the way, we need to send a hundred, a uh, hundred million uh, more oh. to uh, to um, uh, Iran. Oh, it is Monday. Yeah, yeah, it, it is Monday. Monday. So anyway, 
Now, had Nixon not stopped that gold standard, though, right? Nixon put a stop he, to the gold standard. Clearly, his sure. largest single mistake was closing the gold window. He was talked into that by none other than John Connolly. Really? Connolly, who had been, uh, who was injured with, uh, with John Kennedy in the death car, uh, switches parties, becomes a Republican, and ultimately serves as Secretary of Treasury uh, in the Nixon administration. Hmm. It was a huge political trophy for Nixon. Connolly supported, uh, uh, because Lyndon Johnson made him do so, supported Hubert Humphrey in 1968. It's why Humphrey very narrowly carries Texas, one of the last Democrats to carry Texas uh, in a statewide race. Uh, and uh, in, by 1972, Connolly is fully on board with Nixon. Nixon makes Connolly the Secretary of the Treasury. In 1972, Connolly heads Democrats for Nixon. Uh, in 1973, Connolly becomes a Republican. In any event, the mob's motive is clear. They've been they've been double crossed. A big Texas oil's uh, motive is clear. Uh, the FBI's involvement is very clear. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover is facing mandatory retirement in 1964. This is the most powerful guy in Washington. He's got a dossier on everybody. I mean, I mean, he's got the dirt. He's got he he's got the dirt. The only guy who has anywhere near as much dirt is Lyndon Johnson. Johnson has a suite at the Sheraton Carlton Hotel uh, that is a honey trap, you know, with a two-way mirror uh, and video cameras. So, uh, so if you're a congressman or a senator uh, and you have a particular urge. Well, uh, Bobby Baker, the Secretary of Senate, can arrange that for you. Boys, girls, boys and girls together, whatever it may be. Smart guy. Uh, which is why we know, interestingly enough, that there's one woman, uh, a glamorous East German call girl, whose name was Inga Arved. She has the distinction of having banged both JFK, who said it was the best blowjob he ever had. Uh, that's in Bobby Baker's book. Uh, but she also nailed, uh, got nailed by uh, Gerald Ford. So Gerald Ford and John Kennedy were Eskimo brothers, and they didn't even know. Uh, and Lyndon Johnson, of course, had it all on film. So uh, it, it was uh, he was a master of blackmail. Now, what about Marilyn Monroe? Because everybody throws that in there. Uh, he told Marilyn Monroe too much. That that's a another. I, 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 th- I think that uh, John Kennedy uh, had a dalliance uh, with Marilyn Monroe. He then passed her off on to Bobby. Bobby had his own fling with her. Uh, but she was a loose end, and she kept calling the White House, and she was threatening to talk. Uh, you have to remember that the media played a very different role in those days. Wasn't the, she about to go on a big show? I think she was about to go public, or they felt she was about yeah. to go public. The The media held up John Kennedy uh, you know, as having this wholesome family image, beautiful wife, young children, and so on. Uh, we now know, uh, and the intelligence agency knew, the Secret Service knew, that John Kennedy was hooked on methamphetamine. Really? John Kennedy was being attended by a doctor named Max Jacobson. Max Jacobson, also known as Dr. Feelgood. Uh, now, Max Jacobson was attending some of the most important uh, beautiful people of the age. I mean, he treated Frank Sinatra. He treated Aristotle Onassis. He treated Nelson Rockefeller. He treated Maria Calais, the opera singer. He treated Pablo Casals, Leonard Bernstein. 
all of the beautiful people were going to see uh, Dr. Max Jacobson in New York uh, being shot up with what they were being told was a proprietary blend of vitamins and enzymes, but it made them feel really good. And Jack, Jack Kennedy's case, he was going for the pain in his back, but this explains why at 42 and with back problems, he is you know chasing 19-year-old interns around the White House. <laughs> uh, it explains why he has such a voracious uh, sexual appetite, uh, which, of course, we didn't know then, but we do know now. So um, everybody's motive here is clear, but nobody has a more acute motive than Lyndon Baines Johnson. Mm-hmm. Johnson had blackmailed his way onto the ticket in 1960. He was not supposed to be Kennedy's uh, running mate. Kennedy had selected uh, Senator Stuart Symington from Missouri, uh, who's kind of a colorist moderate. Uh, He was trying to find somebody who would be acceptable in both the North and the South. Uh, When Johnson uh, and Speaker Sam Rayburn, also from Texas, show up in uh, Kennedy's hotel room in Los Angeles, and they have eight by ten photos of John Kennedy in bed with Inga Arvad, the gorgeous East German spy. Uh, and Johnson says, "Look, you need me on the ticket. You need Texas. I can guarantee you Texas, meaning you'll steal it. Uh, and if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But these pictures could make their way over to Dick Nixon pretty easily. Uh, so uh, Kennedy makes a, a snap decision, dumps Symington, puts." Uh, Johnson on the ticket, which doesn't sit well with Kennedy's progressive left supporters. Uh, Now, John Kennedy was never the toast of the left because he was a true pragmatist and he was a hardline anti-communist. So Eleanor Roosevelt, Adlai Stevenson, uh, even originally uh, guys like Arthur Schlesinger, they didn't trust John Kennedy. His father, Joe Kennedy, was a close friend and financial benefactor for Senator Joseph McCarthy, another reason they didn't trust him. Uh, the old man had had a close relationship with Adolf Hitler, another reason they didn't trust him. But Johnson was a segregationist. Johnson was a hardline anti-civil rights segregationist during his entire time in the Senate. Uh, and Johnson, although he never led, was always the guy behind the scenes propping up the Southern Bloc to block any possible uh, civil rights legislation, open housing legislation, voting rights legislation. Uh, and uh, in 1958, when the U.S. Senate finally passes uh, the first civil rights bill, Johnson inserts a poison pill amendment that says any American charged under this law will be charged by a state, not a federal jury. Well, there's no jury in Mississippi or Alabama or Georgia in 1958 who's going to convict a white man of a crime against a black man. Never so going to happen he, in those days. So, so he really, uh, and then, I, so uh, he selected for the ticket. It's really quite clever uh, because uh, Nixon had a very hard decision to make in his race against Kennedy. He could either try to make inroads into the previously solid South, or uh, he could follow the, the the route of Eisenhower and make inroads into the black community in the Midwest, uh, in the Northeast, New York, Chicago, even Los Angeles. 
He never really makes that decision. In fact, in fact, he, he botches it by making a pledge that he will visit all 50 states, Jeez. which means he's wasting his time in places like Utah and Vermont that he's definitely going to carry, while Kennedy is uh, just continuing to hit the six or eight swing states. The Kennedy-Johnson ticket handles this in a much more ingenious way. Kennedy goes around talking about civil rights. Kennedy has uh, Sergeant Shriver uh, uh, and others are urging him to aggressively court black voters. Uh, but uh, so Kennedy would come to town and pledge civil rights. Johnson would follow him a week later and talk to the courthouse boys and say, don't worry about Jack uh, uh, and the N-word. Uh, he, we're not going to really do any of that. That's just to get their votes. And it's very effective. So the ticket uh, does very well. Great book by Nick Bryant, Bystander, talks about the fact that despite all of his pledges, John F. Kennedy never did anything when it came to civil rights because his vice president, Lyndon Johnson, talked him out of it, saying, well, all the Senate committee chairmen, the old bulls of the Senate, they'll kill your budget, they'll kill your program if you push on civil rights. Wait to the second term. Translation, wait until you're dead and then I'll sign it. <laughs> uh, which, which I argue had nothing to do uh, with any deep-seated commitment to civil rights, uh, but more to do with giving Johnson cover to go much deeper into Vietnam yeah. on the American left, uh, uh, and uh, for which, as we said earlier, uh, he made a fortune. So if you look at those who were involved in this domestic conspiracy, the CIA, uh, Robert Kennedy cites a book by James Douglas, JFK, The Unspeakable, why he died and why it's important. Excellent book. Uh, the Mob, as I have outlined. Big Texas Oil, as I, as I have outlined. The FBI, as I have outlined. The Secret Service had John Rowley. He gets his first job in Washington from uh, Congressman Lyndon Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> he is uh, the first guy to bound up the stairs at Andrews Air Force Base and embrace Johnson after the new president lands uh, in what is now Air Force One uh, after the murder of Kennedy. Uh, but Johnson has a unique tie to each one of them. As a Senate majority leader, Johnson takes the unprecedented uh, step of appointing himself to the secret uh, subcommittee of defense appropriations where the CIA's black box budget is prepared. He's the paymaster for the CIA. Uh, Jack, uh, as far as the mob is concerned, Johnson is on the take. He's being bribed by Carlos Marcello. The bribes are delivered by a man named Jack Halfer, uh, uh, ostensibly to protect the mob's gambling operations in Houston, Dallas, and San Antonio. Halfer would be pardoned of an unconnected crime three days uh, after Johnson becomes president. <laughs> uh, Big Texas Oil is obviously uh, Kennedy's, uh, pardon me, Johnson's entire career is financed by the oil men. Uh, and he is the water carrier opposing the repeal of the oil depletion allowance. And, of course, J. Edgar Hoover is his next-door neighbor and close friend. Uh, when Johnson is elected to the Senate, he's not even in the Senate yet. J. Edgar Hoover flies to his swearing-in ceremony in Texas. Dude, Johnson is how, the how, guy. How, how, <laughs> how, how close these guys were. So Johnson Whoa. has a connection to everyone uh, who is involved. Uh, and uh, there's uh, there's so much uh, extraordinary circumstantial evidence that I go into here. 
Johnson's mistress, Madeline Brown, uh, was interviewed uh, by, uh, help me here, Enrique, interviewed by uh, Geraldo Rivera. Geraldo. Oh, he still got the mustache 50 years ago. It's interesting because Madeline Brown, who bore Johnson a son, who looked, by the way, exactly like Lyndon Johnson, (laughs) says that she uh, shacked up with LBJ in the Fort Worth Hotel that he and Kennedy stayed in the night before the murder. And that that night and the following morning, Johnson said to her, after tomorrow, I won't have to worry about those Irish sons of bitches anymore. Uh, And you can still find this video. It's still there on YouTube. Fast forward, you know, 50 years, I'm in a green room uh, at Fox Television. Uh, I meet Geraldo Rivera for the first time. And I say, you know, I uh, I was inspired to write a book. Uh, one of the things that inspired me was your incredible interview with Madeline Brown. He said, who? I said, Madeline Brown? Who's that? Lyndon Johnson's mistress? You must be mistaken. I've never interviewed her. And he left. <laughs> you tell me. Yeah. You can still see it on uh, YouTube. I mean, I mean on that YouTube. pretty much. Uh, so uh, you, got, you have so many circumstantial pieces of evidence. Uh, just the other day I saw the video of Malcolm Kilduff, who is the spokesman for John Kennedy. Uh, Pierre Solinger's press secretary, did not travel, so his deputy, Kilduff, is, uh, uh, is, John, uh, is Ken, uh, Kennedy's spokesman for the day. Famous video of him announcing... Uh, that John F. Kennedy is dead and the time of his death. Kildoff is then on an elevator minutes later with the new president, and he says to Johnson, Mr. President, how could this happen? Who would do a thing like this? And Johnson looks at him and says, it was a communist, son. Huh. He says, a communist, Mr. President? What kind of communist? It was a Russian communist, son. Oh, star that. There's one problem. Lee Harvey Oswald has not yet been apprehended. <laughs> so, oh, yep. uh, and uh, there is a there's a more than sufficient evidence uh, tying uh, the man who shot from the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository Building directly to Lyndon Johnson. Now, let me say there are multiple shooters. The new Uh, documentary absolutely proves that Kennedy is shot from the front and the back. I think that there is a shooter on the fence line uh, at the top of the grassy knoll. I believe it is a Corsican assassin who's been flown into the country for this specific purpose. There are two railroad workers. You can see both of their videos on YouTube as well. They see uh, two men pull up in a green Plymouth station wagon had a Goldwater sticker on it. That was kind of interesting. And uh, take out a rifle bag, uh, go to the fence line, fire off a shot. They describe a puff of smoke. Uh, Johnny Roselli, the gangster, claims that he was the shooter in the sewer grate. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, James Files claims that he was one of the shooters. Maybe, maybe and not. He said not because we we had him on. You never saw anything with him. Uh, I never came across Files, but again, my focus was on who shot from the sixth floor. floor. Uh, And here's why. Uh, There's a fingerprint found on the cardboard boxes in the crow's nest uh, from which it is alleged that Lee Harvey Oswald shot. Uh, And it is a 32-point match for a man named Malcolm Mack Wallace. 
Now, we know that because Mac Wallace was convicted of first-degree murder in Texas in 1951 because Lyndon Johnson's sister, Josepha Johnson, who's kind of a bohemian party girl, uh, had gotten involved uh, with a man named John Douglas Kinzer, uh, and uh, Kinzer was seeking to blackmail Johnson over the 1948 election and certain corruption uh, by Johnson uh, that, uh, that he learned about. Johnson uh, is got the most acute motive because the Bobby Baker investigation, Baker was his right-hand man, that's going on in the Senate. The, the Billy Sol Estes investigation uh, is, uh, is uh, going on. Billy Sol Estes is a flamboyant Texas wheeler dealer. He's getting multi-million dollar agricultural contracts and he's kicking back from Johnson. Bobby Kennedy has begun telling people Johnson will be dropped from the ticket and he's going to prison. Uh, on the way to Dallas, Kennedy tells uh, his personal secretary, Evelyn Lincoln, that Johnson will not be on the 1964 ticket, that he's going to be dumped and that he would most likely be replaced uh, by uh, Terry Sanford, the governor, later U.S. senator from North Carolina. Mm. Uh, Johnson is a man staring into the abyss. He knows he's not only going to be destroyed politically, but he's going to prison, uh, which is why it is Johnson who insists that Kennedy come to Texas. Uh, it is Johnson who insists that that going from the airport to the Mart, Merchandise Mart, they decide to loop through downtown Dallas through Dealey Plaza when they could go all the way on the freeway. Why would they do that? Uh, and they violate many of the Secret Service protocols, including a requirement that the presidential limousine comes to a full stop and takes a hard right turn at Dealey Plaza. Complete violation of the regulations of the Secret Service. Jerry Bruno chief advance man for John Kennedy writes in his book that he objected to the motorcade route and was told by Governor John Connolly either do it our way or we cancel the entire trip. We also know that the morning of the murder in Fort Worth, Johnson goes to Kennedy's hotel room and wants to change the seating in the motorcade, wanting to put his arch enemy, Ralph Yarborough, uh, into the death car with Kennedy and move his protege, John Connolly, into the vice presidential car. Uh, Jackie oh, Kennedy shit. records this uh, in her memoirs. JFK says no. The whole purpose of the Texas trip was to bind up the divisions between the progressive wing, the liberal wing of the Democratic Party headed by Yarborough, uh, and the bourbon wing of the party headed uh, by Connolly. And therefore, it's important that Kennedy be seen with Connolly, the, the, right. the standard bearer, the more conservative wing of the Democratic Party. Uh, Johnson storms, they have a shouting match, and Johnson storms out. Uh, but it is uh, absolutely clear uh, that Johnson has the motive, the means, and the opportunity. Malcolm Wallace uh, was convicted in 1951 of murder. He murders this guy, Kinzer, uh, who's involved with Johnson's sister. He goes to trial. He's represented at trial by Lyndon Johnson's personal attorney, John Cofer. He's the only man in the history of Texas jurisprudence to get a suspended sentence when convicted of first-degree murder. A suspended uh, sentence on a uh, first degree murder. Johnson's he uh, immediately. Uh, <laughs> that guy's a movie. Fuck <laughs> a documentary. Uh, you need to do the uh, movie uh, on Well, him. and, and uh, not only do we have his fingerprint, 
There are no fewer than six witnesses, two of them in the jail across the way, so they're incarcerated. They have nothing else to do but look out the window at the presidential motorcade. Uh, and four witnesses on the ground, all of whom tell the Warren Commission or the FBI or the Dallas Police Department that they see a man in the sixth floor window who meets the physical description of Malcolm Wallace. Medium build, balding. They all say a man wearing glasses. By the way, Malcolm Wallace has the highest possible rating. He's a Marine Corps veteran, and he's an expert shot. Five of the six witnesses say there's a second man in the window, but he's dark-complected, either a Native American or a Mexican-American. That man is Loy Factor. Loy Factor uh, is a Native American sharpshooter who says that he was shooting in a shooting contest at a county fair when Malcolm Wallace saw him shoot, and that Wallace uh, took down a phone number to be able to reach him, uh, told me he might have work for him, uh, contacts him almost a year and a half later, hires him, brings him to Dallas without telling him what his job is, brings him to the Texas School Book Depository building where he is the backup shooter, meaning if Wallace has the shakes or if Wallace shoots and misses, Loy Factor is supposed to step up and finish off John F. Kennedy. Not only do we have numerous people who say they see a dark-complected man in the window, but Factor describes the physical setup, including a flat saw that is, uh, because of construction going on in the sixth floor, there's a flat saw immediately to the right of the window uh, from which uh, Kennedy was shot. So Lloyd Factor checks out uh, as the backup shooter. The man who shot uh, from the sixth floor window is Malcolm Mac Wallace. Uh, after leaving, uh, after his conviction, uh, he gets uh, a job with a full security clearance from a company called Temco, which is a defense contractor owned by an oil man named D.H. Bird. You know what else D.H. Bird owns? No. The Texas School Book Depository Building. Oh. Now, D.H. Bird Bang. is, uh, is yeah. a big game hunter. Uh, in his living room, he's got mounted, you know, uh, uh, lions, tigers, moose, whatever. antelopes, yeah. uh, moose, deer. But he's so happy about the death of Kennedy, he has the window casings from the sixth floor taken and mounted as a trophy uh, in his living room. That is crazy. Wow. Now, uh, so uh, I've told you basically who that shooter is. As to the other shooters, I can't tell you Files was a shooter. I also can't tell you that he wasn't. My focus has been on Johnson and his connections, and I'm certain uh, that that, uh, Malcolm Mack Wallace is the shooter. A poor guy named James Carr sees a man who meets the physical description uh, of uh, of uh, Wallace, who they say was wearing a, a tan jacket and light-colored pants. Five of the six witnesses say that. Carr says the same thing. Running out of the Texas School Book Depository building uh, right after the shots, jumping into a Nash Rambler and being driven away by a dark-complected man. Where is that Lee? Lee Harvey Oswald. Well, Lee Harvey Oswald... Uh, is seen on the second floor minutes after Kennedy's been shot. He's casually eating lunch. So it would have been necessary if he were the shooter, which he is not for him to get off three shots with the government has never been able to duplicate within the time sequence required, hide the gun, 
uh, and run down four flights of stairs uh, and not be out of breath. The other problem with that is a woman named Victoria Adams tells the Warren Commission she's on the staircase between the sixth and second floor, a wooden staircase that's very creaky and noisy. She neither sees nor hears uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. That's because Lee Harvey Oswald was not on the sixth floor. What does he say when they the when the Dallas Police Department takes him out in public? He's accused of killing a president of the United States. We're going to take him out in public. What does he say? I'm a patsy, he says. I didn't shoot anybody. Paraffin tests show there are no nitrates on the chest or the arms of Lee Harvey Oswald. So if he had shot a leaky uh, Carcano uh, vintage World War II army carbine, he would have been covered with a nitrate. He didn't shoot a, a gun that day. What's the significance of Patsy? Why do you say Patsy? Well, Patsy's a common term for the fall guy. He's the fall guy. In other words, he's been maneuvered into place. Uh, I got to know uh, uh, his uh, longtime uh, uh, girlfriend, mistress, uh, who uh, who convinced me uh, that uh, he was he was definitely known to the CIA. He's definitely known to the FBI. These two uh, recent declassifications of documents prove that their claim that they didn't know him, wasn't aware of him, is completely false. Uh, I think he's maneuvered into place. He thinks he is there to prevent a plot to assassinate John Kennedy mm. when, in fact, he is put in place to take the fall. Officer J.D. Tippett, the Dallas police officer, he was supposed to kill Oswald, but Oswald got the drop on him, they tell us, uh, and uh, Oswald killed him. Those who insist that Lee Harvey Oswald killed Kennedy always use his alleged murder of Officer J.D. Tippett, uh, allegedly killed while Oswald was fleeing uh, the Texas School Book Depository Building, going back to his rooming house, uh, with the proof. The problem is that the shell casings on the ground where Tippett was killed came from an automatic. But Lee Harvey Oswald is arrested in the Texas movie theater with a revolver. Uh, there are four witnesses uh, to the murder of Tippett. Uh, Arlen Specter chooses to believe the eyewitness account of an 89-year-old woman who admits she has problems with her eyesight. There are multiple other witnesses who identify two other men, uh, one loading a gun for the other, neither one of them meeting the uh, description of the 24-year-old, 145-pound Lee Harvey Oswald. Now, you've written a lot of books. When you go to do these books, this is a ton of research. What makes you decide, I'm going to write The Man Who Killed Kennedy? Well, in this particular case, uh, in 1964, when I was a young 12-year-old uh, Goldwater zealot, I read a book called uh, A Texan Looks at Linden by a man named James Evitz Haley. The Goldwater people printed thousands of these books and outlined all of the epic corruption of Lyndon Johnson, his connection to... Bobby Baker, his connection to Billy Solestis, his, his connection to Big Texas Oil, his connection to the mob. So I always had a suspicion uh, that the things did not add up. Uh, I'm a, a Catholic. I came from a Catholic family. My parents are, were working class Catholics. I think they were very conflicted because they were Republicans, but John F. Kennedy was our first Catholic president. I always suspected my mother may have secretly voted for JFK. <laughs> I know my grandparents and my dad voted for Nixon, but I think my mother was secretly. My mom thought it was hot, so <laughs> maybe. 
so uh, I remember as a boy, I remember exactly where I was when I heard that Kennedy was shot. <clears throat> the only guy who can't remember where he was was George H.W. Bush. <laughs> 30 years for some reason. <laughs> he was in Dallas that day. He stayed uh, at the Sheridan Hotel, steps from Dealey Plaza, but he strangely has no memory of that whatsoever. <laughs> Maybe he had a long <clears throat> night the night before. Yeah, yeah who knows. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, actually, there are four presidents in Dallas that day. Kennedy, Johnson, Richard M. Nixon, who flies in to speak to a Pepsi-Cola bottling convention, uh, and, uh, and, of course, uh, Johnson. Madeline Brown, who we spoke about earlier, who is uh, Johnson's mistress, uh, uh, insists that there is a meeting at the home of oil baron Clint Murchison uh, at which uh, Johnson uh, and all his Confederates go behind closed doors to put the final touches on the plan to kill Kennedy. It is that night that he, she says he squeezes her hand and says, after tomorrow, I don't have to worry about those Kennedy boys no more. Now, I think what she conflates, though, is she claims, in some confusion, she claims that Nixon was at the meeting. She claimed that J. Edgar Hoover was at the meeting. I think she is conflating the meeting that takes place after midnight, because Johnson came from Fort Worth uh, with a cocktail party earlier in the day. Uh, I was able to get access to Nixon's schedule. Clint Murchison was one of the few people who gave money to Nixon's failed attempt to become governor of California in 1962. While he was in Dallas, he made a courtesy call and he attended a cocktail party, but it was in the afternoon. Uh, he was back in his hotel uh, way before midnight. J. Edgar Hoover did fly in for this cocktail party. Uh, there's uh, uh, actually footage of YouTube uh, of one of the servants, one of the butlers, uh, who worked for Clint Murchison, who went to a grass airstrip to take uh, to pick Hoover up. Hoover flew up in a government plane, left in a government plane. I think Madeline Brown is conflating two different meetings, uh, but I, I do think it is significant. Uh, the Warren Commission never saw the autopsy photos of JFK. <laughs> they saw drawings of them. They were giving drawings, drawings the of them. Fuck? Drawings of Draw the president. Drawings of the president. Oh, wow. I, uh, and this is where Gerald Ford comes in. Uh, Gerald Ford, who's then a congressman, he's the minority leader of the House, is on the Warren Commission. Uh, and because John Sherman Cooper, the senator from Kentucky, Hale Boggs, the Senate House majority leader, uh, and Richard Russell, to some degree, are having problems buying the single bullet, three bullets off from behind a narrative uh, in which one bullet, Arlen Specter claims, passed through Kennedy, <laughs> wounding Kennedy, but lodges and wounds Connolly. Connolly insisted till the day he dies that he wasn't hit by the same bullet as Kennedy, but Connolly will never let them take the bullet which is lodged in his wrist out. He dies with it inside his body. Uh, and uh, Hoover, according to uh, Deke DeLoach, uh, and Bill Sullivan, two deputies from Hoover, both say this in their uh, oral histories. Hoover goes to Ford and says, look, we're having some problems. There's a couple members of the commission aren't buying our conclusions. We need you to go to the autopsy diagram mm. and we need you to fix it, to with a, just erase it uh, with a pencil. It was done with a pencil. Where, doc, where the Kennedy's doctor had shown the wound in his upper back, 
erase that and move the wound to his neck. Jeez. So, uh, so he and the New York Times reported this when Ford, who is they reported that that was done. They reported that it was done after Ford was president. Many wow. years later, when they asked Ford why he did this, he said, "Well, the country needed finality." In other uh, words, yeah, we need, we need to close the door on this. I say the country needed truth. Truth is is what they need. Actually, what he says is the country needed closure. I think that's the exact quote. I think the country needed truth. Uh, But uh, as the Parkland doctors say in this new documentary, the wound in Kennedy's throat is not an exit wound. It's an entry wound. Uh, They also said that there was a grapefruit-sized wound in the back of his head consistent with a blowout wound. By the time his body gets uh, to Bethesda Medical Center where the autopsy uh, is to actually be performed, that has been patched. Under Texas law, anyone killed in Texas must have an autopsy in Texas. Kennedy's body is removed from Parkland uh, uh, Hospital at gunpoint by Secret Service agents s- standing down Texas Rangers who are trying to keep the body in Texas uh, and brought to, uh, uh, brought to uh, Love Field. Now, there is a school of thought, I don't cover this in my book, that Kennedy's body actually went on Air Force Two, Johnson's plane, uh, and was flown earlier uh, to uh, Texas to uh, Washington, uh, and that the casket that is on Air Force One, uh, where Lyndon Johnson stages a swearing in, that is completely and totally legally unnecessary. I'm going with that. <clears throat> I'm going whatever Johnson's doing. I'm that's what's Johnson. Going on. Johnson is uh, very anxious to seize power. He wants the imprimatur of Jackie Kennedy. He makes Jackie Kennedy stand next to him in her blood-splattered dress. Mm-hmm. Uh, but legally, there's no reason for the swearing-in. To twist the knife in Bobby Kennedy, who he hated, because uh, Kennedy was trying to jump it, dump him from the ticket, he calls Bobby and he says, Bobby, uh, look up the oath of office for the President of the United States. I'm going to be sworn in. The judge who swears him in is a judge who JFK had refused to, to elevate on the federal bench. Oh, no. She gets elevated as soon as Johnson right. is president. <laughs> uh, and uh, very famously, uh, Lady Bird has a broad smile on her face. <laughs> she's, she's very happy. <laughs> By the way, she's more vicious than LBJ. Uh, and Johnson really? is caught winking uh, at a Texas congressman who's a segregationist crony of his immediately after being sworn in. So the swearing in is uh, uh, is uh, completely symbolic, legally uh, unnecessary. Uh, some people, some researchers believe the casket uh, on Air Force One uh, was empty and that Kennedy's body had been already been sent to Washington where doctors patched the hole in the back of his head, mm. performed a tracheotomy so you couldn't tell whether the throat wound was an exit wound or an entry wound. Talk about the fuckery. Now, if they, if, if let's just pretend this whole thing gets wow. canceled, this whole trip to Texas is canceled, do you think Lyndon Johnson would have found another way to eliminate JFK? That- there is some evidence that they contemplated killing him in Miami uh, and that they contemplated killing him uh, in Tampa and they contemplated killing him in Chicago, three cities that up. Kennedy right. had visited just prior to his trip to Dallas. But there's something unique about Dallas in that all of the protocol of the Secret Service is violated. There's supposed to be six motorcycle officers, three on either side of the presidential limousine. There are not. There's one 
and he's riding behind. There's supposed to be two Secret Service agents on the rear bumper of the car. You can go to YouTube and see those two agents being ordered by a superior to get uh, get off the bumper. Uh, The buildings on both sides of the street are supposed to be searched, emptied, and sealed. They are not. They're supposed to be Secret Service agents plainclothes, unidentified throughout the crowd. They are not. So Lyndon Johnson has set up the perfect kill. And here's the most amazing thing. We know from the newsreel photographs and from still photographs, you see Johnson's car, which is a Cadillac convertible they called the Queen Mary, several lengths behind the presidential limousine. Ralph Yarbrough's in the car. Lady Bird Johnson's in the car. Lyndon Johnson's in the car. In an instant, in the next still, Lyndon Johnson's gone. Why? Because he hits the deck before the first bullet is fired. <laughs> and he is uh, talking on a walkie-talkie. The, uh, Ralph Yarbrough uh, says this uh, in, his, uh, uh, in his oral histories. Johnson hits the deck before the first bullet. The Secret Service agent who is, uh, on, the, who is on the rear bumper of that car testifies to the Warren Commission that he heard the first shot and he pushed Johnson to the floor. After Johnson's death, he comes forward and says, oh, that's not what really happened. That's what I was told to say. So Jeez. Johnson, uh, <laughs> just by his actions that day, uh, clearly knows that John Kennedy is going to be shot. Okay, so right here, explain what this is right here. So this is scenes from along uh, President Kennedy's yeah, motorcade. To be, Cars, people everywhere, like you said. Governor and Mrs. Connolly ride in the presidential limousine. In a downtown building, a gunman waits at a six-floor window, a high-powered rifle by his side. See, there's no one on the rear bumper. Right. There's nobody there. A radio newsman describes the motorcade as it moves toward the Dallas trademark. There's a, there's a there's supposed to be a Secret Service car immediately behind the presidential car. Instead, there's a press car. Of course, it made no sense not to, to it made no sense to go through downtown Dallas uh, anyway. Uh, there's a specific video which you right. can find of the Secret Service agents, and they're they're like they're told by the, and they, mm. there's no sound, but you can see them shrugging their shoulders, asking why they're being removed from the normal position. Now, when you compare this time period to now. You know, I was originally going to say, have you is have you ever seen a time period like now, ever in your no, life? No, because the people who killed John F. Kennedy are now are still running the country. Yeah, the same as I said, the same right. people who who uh, took out Nixon. We now know from declassified documents that the CIA was well aware of the Watergate break-in in in advance. That they had infiltrated the Watergate break-in team. That four of the eight burglars. Just coincidentally, Tommy, they just happened to be on the ground in Dealey Plaza in 1963. There's a lot of coincidences. What an amazing coincidence. Uh, uh, E. Howard Hunt, probably the most famous of the Watergate burglars, featured in this recent uh, movie, uh, The White House Plumbers, uh, says on his deathbed to his son, St. John Hunt, who's a friend of mine, a co-author of my book, uh, The Bush Crime Family, uh, that uh, he was, he finally confesses, he was on the ground in Dealey Plaza in 1963, uh, that it was, uh, he was only a backbencher. He says the Central Intelligence Agency was involved, but he says LBJ was running the show. He calls it the big event. He, Johnson was running the big event. Uh, again, more evidence uh, of Johnson. 
I was motivated to write this book uh, because I had read the book on Johnson that I referred to before, Texan Looks at Lyndon. But I went to work for Richard Nixon. Uh, when I first went to work for him, I was only 19 years old, so I had no real proximity to him, uh, 1972. 1966, I shook his hand for the first time. 1972, I shook his hand for the second time. It wasn't until his post-presidency, uh, when I was elected president of the Young Republican National Federation, uh, that he invited me to San Clemente for a meeting. Uh, it was supposed to just be a pro forma grip and grin, uh, and he asked me a pro forma question. So what what condition is the party in? And I said, the party's in great shape. And he said, do you think we'll win the White House uh, in 1980? And I said, yes, I do. He said, well, we're going to be nominating John Connolly. I said, no, sir, we're not. We're going to be nominating Ronald Reagan. Really? He said, you think so? I said, yes. Why do you say that? So I gave him several reasons why. And he said, uh, let me ask you, are you free for lunch? Uh, and I stayed there for about four and a half hours uh, talking politics with Richard Nixon. A uh, couple months later, uh, we began a, a phone relationship. Nixon had a voracious appetite for gossip and political information. He wanted to know who was sleeping with who. Uh, he wanted to know who was in bed with who. He wanted to know who had secret deals with who. Uh, he wanted to know who the up-and-coming stars in the party were. He wanted to know who the most vulnerable Democrats were. He, he loved the game, and he was a master at it. He was on six national tickets. And I know this episode is brought to you by manscaped.com. The breaking news, manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They're once again, revolutionizing men's grooming with brand new beard hedger pro kit from a beard trim to a fresh shape. The technology behind beard hedger pro kit allows you to shave your signature beard. Look, now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using code MSCS Media for 20% off and free shipping. No one likes a weird beard, so say goodbye to all the stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This thing is a monster of fixing faces. First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard. No more messing around in drawers, this color one, that color one, all with one guard. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower and avoid all that hair in the sink. The Pro Kit doesn't end there, though. First, there's the beard shampoo and conditioner. You need to remember your hair is different. Next, Manscaped's beard oil. Cap it off with beard balm. The Pro Kit also comes with three different gifts, a beard brush, comb and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code mscs media at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com use the code mscs media you would know this did he take jackie gleason to see alien bodies uh, i believe that he did you do but let me say two things recognize how meteoric his rises he is uh he gets out of the of the navy uh, in 1940, I guess it would have been uh, 47, uh, 46 actually, late 45. Uh, and he is in New York City looking for a job. He's going from law firm to law firm with his resume, to all these big blue chip uh, law firms uh, on Wall Street. And he happens to be on Wall Street the day that the hero of World War II, Dwight Eisenhower, uh, is being honored uh, with a ticker tape parade. So he looks out the window uh, on the upper floor of this law firm where he is, and he sees Eisenhower drive by uh, in this massive parade. 
he is unemployed. Six years later, he is the vice president of the United States oh, with Dwight Eisenhower. That's a man with drive. Elected to Congress in 1946, reelected in 1948, elected to the U.S. Senate, uh, and then chosen in 1950, uh, and then chosen to be vice president in 1952. Six years from going to being completely unemployed wow. to being vice president uh, of the United States. Wow. Now, uh, I interviewed Jackie Gleason's wife uh, after Gleason had passed, uh, and she told me uh, Gleason was a major presence in Miami. He shot his TV show out of Miami. And now, from Miami, the sun and fun <laughs> capital of the world, it's the Jackie Gleason show. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and uh, he had a home off a golf course, uh, and he played regularly with Nixon uh, and uh, with his Nixon's uh, best friend, B.B. Rebozo, who was a banker in Key Biscayne. Uh And um, Jackie liked to drink, uh, and Nixon didn't hold his liquor well, but Nixon liked to drink. Uh, and uh, one day they were at Gleason's house after playing golf, and they had a few cocktails, uh, and... Uh, Gleason asked Nixon, are there really uh, UFOs? Do we really have UFOs? And Nixon said, uh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to pick you up tomorrow. We're going on a little trip. So the next day, uh, the presidential motorcade came, picked up Jackie Gleason. They went to a facility in Homestead, Florida, uh, where Jackie Gleason told his wife that he actually saw not only alien beings who had been captured were dead, but had been captured, but also uh, pieces uh, of what the government claimed were UFOs. So where do you stand with that? What's your belief? Uh, well, it's funny that we have hearings to discuss it at the same time. There are hearings into the epic corruption. That's what throws me off. What are, uh, what are we deflecting? Right. That was a deflection thing, but I mean, look, I, I'm not an expert on the subject. Yeah. It's not what my next book is going <laughs> to be about. Here's what my next book... I wish book, you'd write a movie on Here's what my notes. next book is going to be about. The attempted assassination of Ronald Reagan. Here's why. They, the government has never released its report into the investigation into the murder of... Uh, the attempted murder of Ronald Reagan. But we do know that John Hinckley Jr., convicted of his murder, uh, fired shot five bullets from a crouching position, and all five bullets are accounted for, and none of them hit Ronald Reagan. We also know that Ronald Reagan was hit from both above and behind, but John Hinckley is always in front of Ronald Reagan. Hmm. So we have too many bullets. Sounds familiar. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, it is absolutely clear uh, that there are close connections between John Hinckley Jr., uh, and the Bush family. John Hinckley Sr. Uh, is a Texas oil man whose company Vanderbilt Oil hmm. has been bailed out by Zapata Oil, which is a CIA front uh, owned by George H.W. Bush in the 60s. Uh, he is also the owner and funder of a company called World Vision, which runs these refugee camps funded by the U.S. government. Uh, and uh, coincidentally, John Hinckley Jr., accused of the murder uh, and convicted of the, of the attempted murder of uh, Ronald Reagan, actually goes to Laos uh, and is at a camp at the same time as uh, John David Chapman, the man who's convicted of killing 
uh, John Lennon. So uh, I believe that there's a- Same guy that was convicted of killing Lennon? Yes. I placed them together uh, in Laos in this government-funded camp where I think they train assassins. Uh, you know, MK Ultra, which is the yeah. Central Intelligence Agency's mind control program, uh, is uh, uh, when the Church Committee of the U.S. Senate begins the investigation. Uh, Richard Helms, the director of the CIA, orders all of the MK Ultra records destroyed. <laughs> so uh, I believe, as I think Robert Kennedy believes, that Sirhan Sirhan, very similar story. Uh, I think he is uh, the Palestinian uh, convicted of murdering Robert F. Kennedy, the U.S. senator from New York who was running for president. According to the autopsy, Robert Kennedy is shot, uh, killed by two point-blank shots in the right-left temple, but Sirhan Sirhan is always in front of Kennedy. He gets off eight bullets, and all eight of them are accounted for, and none of them hit Robert Kennedy. So uh, I think uh, uh, that uh, Robert Kennedy is right. The actual murder is a man named, I think it's Charles Eugene Shane, uh, Thane, I think, uh, who, uh, uh, who uh, is responsible, uh, who is a security guard who'd only recently been hired. I think Thane uh, is the murderer of Robert Kennedy. Uh, there are many, many, many good books about the murder of John Kennedy. In my case, I have built on the work of other people. When it comes to Johnson, Barr McClellan wrote a great book. Phil Nelson wrote a two-volume book, uh, both great sources, uh, many, many others. Uh, when it comes to John Kennedy assassination, you have uh, Mark Lane, you have uh, Gaetano Franzi, you have... Uh, you have uh, Jim Mars. There's some real, some pioneers, people who were ridiculed in the beginning who've now been proven right. There is no great definitive book on the murder of Robert Kennedy, and there needs to be. And there is no great definitive book on the attempted assassination of Ronald Reagan. Uh, when they got Reagan, uh, two things are true. Not only are five bullets all accounted for, but if you look at the video, and I've watched it a hundred times, you can tell exactly when Reagan is hit from the expression on his face. He has his arm uplifted. He's waving. He, from he, his cheeks puff out. There's there is the uh, there's the expression on his face. But it's at the exact same time that a bullet hits James Brady, his press secretary, in the head. So how can one gunman get off two bullets at the same, same time? Point. Now NBC's Judy Woodruff says on air, don't look for this video because you won't find it, that uh, there's a man on a balcony uh, holding a gun, uh, and in a clear, in a, in a, so it is clear that there is a second shooter. This explains why Reagan is hit from above uh, and from behind. That'll be good. Uh, that video has been scrubbed uh, from the internet. By the way, I have it. The whole conversation, uh, and, and I have and I have the transcript. So that'd be great. Uh, there was a there was a conspiracy, I think, by George H. W. Bush to seize power, uh, and uh, uh, that's my next book. How how far are we away from that one? Well, I'm trying to finish the book about uh, my epic experience of being hunted by the Mueller uh, <laughs> uh, investigation and the outrageousness of that. Uh, and that's, you would think that writing that book would be cathartic, but it's not. It's very difficult. 
forces me and my family to relive this horrific situation, which has really hurt our family, uh, made it very difficult to make a living. Uh, I, I can go to a nice restaurant here in South Florida, and I'll always have some asshole call me a Russian traitor, which means they didn't follow my case, uh, because, uh, you know, well, you're a convicted felon. Well, to violate the False Statements Act, your false statement has to both be willful and it has to be material, meaning it has to cover some underlying crime. There was no Russian collusion to lie about. There was also no WikiLeaks collaboration involving me or, in my opinion, anyone else. John Durham never addresses the fact that Hillary Clinton claims and CrowdStrike claims that there was a hack of the Democratic National Committee, but the head of CrowdStrike admits to the House Intelligence Committee under oath that his report showed no evidence of such hack. So the whole narrative is false. I was charged and crucified in an effort to get me to flip and, and testify falsely against Donald Trump, and I refused to do it. It is a horrific experience to have the full weight of the federal government with unlimited resources seeking to destroy you or to make you say what they wanted you to say. Uh, and uh, I thank Jesus Christ, uh, and I thank uh, Donald Trump for not only the commutation of my sentence, which you can read about all over the Internet, but also my full and unconditional presidential pardon, which you'll have a hard time finding. <laughs> now, Mr. Of Stokes, course. When you, when you talk about all this, you go back to JFK, we went through Ronald Reagan, and clear as day, the facts, everything you stated that shows all this type of stuff, right? How concerned are you that this, they've already done it all these years, and it's blatant, that they try to do this again. They're, they're, they're going through every possible thing to stop a candidate. Uh, it's an, it's an excellent question because uh, we certainly have election interference. All these charges against Trump in D.C., in Miami, uh, in Atlanta, this is all lawfare. These are invented charges. Trump has an absolute right to question the outcome of an election. Uh, if it were a crime, well... Then, uh, then I can name you 14 Democrats yeah. who would be in jail. They, uh, they objected to the outcome of the 2000 election. They, out, they objected to the outcome of the 2016 election. Uh, they claim that Trump knew he lost, but he conspired with others to cling to power. I don't think Trump ever believed that he lost, never believed it in his heart or in his mind. Uh, but I, what you say does concern me. There's an article just this weekend in the Business Insider. What happens if Donald Trump dies prior uh, to uh, to being uh, nominated or prior to the election? I think they're trying to normalize uh, the idea of an assassination. Uh, the 60th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination uh, and all of the media attending that now claim now these stories about well, what if Trump uh, uh, dies? And then the worst part is they're flipped out. Because we now have a succession of polls, legitimate polls, the New York Times Siena College poll, the Bloomberg Morning Consult poll, the NBC poll, the Big Data poll, which shows if this election were held today, Donald Trump would beat Joe Biden in all but one of the swing states, and that one is a tie. Uh, and this has made the Democrats apoplectic. It's made them hysterical. And here's what they say. If Donald Trump is elected, he's going to weaponize the criminal justice system to lock up all of his political enemies. 
Uh, he's going to have the military and law enforcement attack those uh, and arrest those who seek to protest. Does anything sound familiar to you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, he, he's going to have <laughs> concentration camps, mm -hmm. uh, and he's going to try to deport people. They say that like it's a bad thing, uh, as long as you're deporting illegals. So they're trying to whip up this hysteria, this atmosphere of hate, uh, and it's right out of Alinsky's uh, rule book for radicals. Everything they accuse Trump of planning to do is exactly what they plan to do. Whether it is Joe Scarborough and his sidekick Minka, or whether it's this guy Mendy Hassan, uh, these people are promulgating hate uh, by falsely claiming uh, that Trump is going to end democracy. If Trump is elected, it's the last election we'll ever have. No, if Trump is not elected, it's the, it's the last, last election. election I mean, did, does not any does, do people not look at the policy? We weren't at war. We didn't have anything. No, Say I, he gets in. Uh, no, I think this is a very key point that for for four years, Donald Trump not only brought troops home without losing uh, our allies' control of those countries, as Biden did in Afghanistan, but he also started no new foreign wars. You would not have had this war in Ukraine if Donald Trump were president. You would not have this problem with Hamas if Donald Trump were president. Uh, you, the Chinese would not even be thinking about moving oh, on Taiwan. Hence the prices uh, it, would be lower on everything. Uh, be, well, because Trump ha has, uh, and I've talked about this publicly, he has a certain yeah. unpredictability. Uh, they, you know, they, they, they didn't know what he would do. Uh, he told, he said this publicly. He told Putin, uh, "You move on Ukraine, I will move on you. I'll hit you so hard you won't believe it." She told Xi the same thing: "Move on Taiwan, <laughs> I move on Peking." That's what we need. Uh, he said, Putin said, "You will not do that." And Trump said, "Try me." <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to do that. So, if he, like Rob said, say, you know, he's the nominee, I don't see anyone getting in the way. Who's he go up against? I thought Michelle, after that Joel Gilbert was in here, for sure, I thought she'd pop up, but she seems to be running out of time. Well, not really, because no? the way the rules for their convention work, unlike the Republican National uh -huh. Convention. So with control of the superdelegates, they can swap out their nominee at the very last minute. Uh, the, the filing deadlines for a number of the early states uh, in their nominating process have already passed, but not that many, a few. Uh, New Hampshire uh, and Iowa don't matter anymore because they've been stripped of their delegates. And South Carolina is the first meaningful contest they will have. Interestingly, a state has an absolute majority of African-American voters in the Democratic primary. Seems tailor-made to me for uh, Michelle Obama. But look, I think there's an internecine warfare going on in the Democratic Party. Uh, Gavin Newsom wants this nomination. Right. Uh, but as you might imagine, Kamala Harris says, wait a minute, wait a minute. If it isn't Joe, I'm next in line. So uh, in the end, will it be Joe? Uh, Joe's running scares the daylights out of professional Democrats. He can't string together a sentence. Uh, he keeps falling down. And we're a year away. He, he can't stick to a script. The idea of him debating uh, Donald Trump scares the daylights out of them. Uh, and you have record gas prices, record inflation, uh, two uh, two wars that have the uh, have the potential of of uh, looming into World War Three. Yeah. Uh, you have uh, you have food shortages. Uh, you have, have housing shortages. Uh, the the Bidenomics is a fiasco. It's a disaster. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and of course, you have the looming exposure of the epic corruption of the Biden crime family, which House Republicans are doggedly seeking to uncover. All of that 
would kind of indicate that Joe, at a late date, decides he's not well enough to run again. Uh, and then uh, Gavin Newsom uh, and Kamala Harris uh, slug it out. And I think the solution to that may be uh, that Barack Obama, who really is the puppet master of all this, says, uh, look, uh, Kamala, uh, if uh, we're, gonna, we're not going to put Newsom in there. We'll let Newsom be vice president. Uh, we're going to run Michelle for president. So we're placing a black vice president, a woman of color, who's vice president, with a much more popular woman of color. Uh, but you get the next Supreme Court seat. If we win the presidency in control of the Senate, wow. you'd be in line for that. And they could get her confirmed. She is a former attorney general of uh, California and a lawyer. Uh, so I think in the end, I still don't believe that Joe will run. Uh, and I agree with Joel Gilbert's assertion that it is highly likely to be Michelle Obama. And anybody who's at home laughing about no, Michelle Obama's gender yeah, or her no, electability is out of their mind. She'll yeah. be a very, she's dangerous. very formidable candidate. And tough as hell to beat, right? Very tough to beat. And even if a rock ran, it wouldn't matter. A, literally a rock. Because for anyone to sit with a straight face and think that Biden got 80 million more votes than any other pre or, uh, Obama is nuts. Speaking of, so isn't the question how are they going to cheat? Speaking of uh, The Rock, I found it very interesting to see The Rock uh, on uh, Joe Rogan where he was trying to make his political views uh, ambiguous. A number of years ago, I met a guy at the gym where I worked out who was a stuntman for The Rock, and he knew that The Rock had political aspirations. And he said to The Rock, you know, I, I know Roger Stone. He's worked for a number of presidents. He's a political strategist. Do you want to meet him? And The Rock said, you know Roger Stone? The guy said, yeah. And you know what The Rock said? You're fired. So wow. The Rock wow. is not a conservative or a Republican or a centrist. He's a hard left Democrat. I actually met uh, a physical rock or a pen. I know. But I got that. You still got to throw the stone in. I like that. I, like that. I, could, I couldn't resist. Uh, speaking of stones, uh, if you want to get your very own signed uh, Roger Stone. Do we have one? I think we still have it. Uh, here we go. Yes, we the do. Roger Stone. This is a... Uh, Love it. Uh, a paperweight. It's Pulled made the only to be used as a paperweight. You can go to stonezone.com and go to the shop and get your very own Roger Stone. Now, I began selling these uh, to raise money for my legal defense. I wasn't selling any of them. Tommy, I couldn't sell one. Uh, then on one day, Rolling Stone, uh, I think uh, the Business Insider, the Daily Beast, a bunch of these other fake news outlets uh, made fun of me for selling them. I sold 15,000 stones one Christmas, and the Stone family was able to have Christmas that year. Fantastic. And I love them. There's the stone shop. There's all the, kinds of stones. Stones rule. Love it. <laughs> you, got, you got the premium stone over on the right, and you've got the regular stone over on the left. That is excellent. And, and I you're, have stones rules at home. I have yeah, stones. we have that all. Yeah, we got a stone everything. And you got, what do you got? Wristband, paperweight. All of my books all oh, available. Stonezone.com, folks. Okay. Check it out. I got out. that picture. Now, I, I saw that you're doing five, six shows a week. Yes. Uh, it is uh, debilitating. Plus, I'm doing a WABC New York radio show every Sunday. Uh, it's very, very hard work. Uh, but p the political news breaks so quickly, so so fast, uh, it's not like there's no nothing to talk about. There's something to talk about every single day. So people can go to Rumble, go to rumble.com slash Roger Stone, rumble.com slash Roger Stone. You'll find this interesting. 
Uh, I used to have a, a page called Stone Cold Truth yeah, uh, at YouTube. Yeah. YouTube, without notice to me, took it down. Uh, but then I found out recently that I have a verified page under official Roger Stone, which was set up in 2017 and has a bunch of Russian videos on it. Huh. What but it's most done? definitely not me. Isn't that and how it got verified? I have no idea. I've asked my lawyers to contact uh, YouTube and ask it to be taken down. It is most definitely not me. But guess what? I'm banned for life on Facebook. But there's somebody up on Facebook claiming to be Roger, Roger Stone. Stone. And you're banned on Instagram too. I'm banned on Instagram too. So I'm not allowed in any of these places because I'm the most dangerous person in the world. If people want to follow me, they can follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter, where I am Roger J. Stone Jr., Roger J. Stone Jr., or they can follow me on True Social at Real Roger Stone. Now, I'd like to be Roger J. Stone Jr. at both places, but some squatter has my name at mm. True Social, so you have to find me there under Real Roger Stone. And I'm also I'm on Telegram uh, at uh, Roger J. Stone Jr., but Telegram's weird. The more I post the more the number of people following me drops. Can't explain that. Jeez, Best place to follow me, I think, is X. Uh, I'm, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm a giant fan of Elon Musk. He gave me my voice back. Yeah. Uh, I've not been throttled or censored that I know of. Uh, he has exposed so many truths. Uh, and this is a good place to end. So those who have control of social media... Uh, the intelligence agencies, the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, the Central Intelligence Agency, who we now know definitively leaned on Twitter and Facebook and all of the social media giants to control content before this last election and to control content regarding the pandemic, are losing control. They're apoplectic about the fact that Elon Musk has gone rogue uh, and he's made his platform a platform for free speech. They're apoplectic that Rumble has become a major powerhouse for free speech. So what are they doing? They're going to the FAA, pardon me, the FCC, uh, and they pass regulations that allow him to control the Internet content at the root, at the source. So they're going above the social media engines to be able to control content in the name of equity. I think it's unconstitutional, but the FCC has approved these Biden regulations uh, because they want to get a grip on the Internet before the next presidential election. So once again, they can tell us uh, when there's a late breaking development like Hunter Biden's laptop. Well, that had all the hallmarks of Russian uh, uh, you know, disinformation, which, of course, it didn't. 17% of voters tell us had they known about Hunter Biden's laptop before the election, yeah. they would have changed their votes. I'm about out of steam here, so uh, I'm uh, uh, I'm still optimistic. Uh, I put my faith uh, in Jesus Christ. Uh, people laugh about that, but uh, Christ can do anything. Uh, Christ is going to save his country. Christ is going to put, God is going to put Donald J. Trump back in the White House. And give a sneak peek to the interview that you did with the uh, ex-Jewish Russian uh I guess it was Israel mob. Yes. That was really good. Give a little sneak peek. Uh, I saw Myron Sugarman, really very, a terrific guy. I apologize. It's been a long day. Uh, Myron Sugarman was on with David uh, Patrick. It was an amazing interview, but it was 90 minutes. I only had him for 30 minutes on WABC radio. 
he was in the Jewish mob. Uh, he helped uh, uh, win World War II. He helped, uh, as the Italian mob and the Jewish mob did, defeat the Nazis. He also was uh, key uh, in supporting the freedom fighters who founded the state of Israel. Myron Sugarman, great man. Yeah, he did a great job. Gives a great foundation kind of to what's going on. Thank you for your time. As always, Roger, and don't keep so much space in between the time. Tommy, but I know to you're be back with you. Thank you, brother. Family always. This podcast is brought to you by Monster Energy. Tear into a can of the meanest energy drink on the planet, Monster Energy. It's the ideal combo of the right ingredients in the right proportion to deliver a big bad buzz that only Monster can. Monster packs a powerful punch, has a smooth, easy drinking flavor. Athletes, musicians, co-eds, road warriors, metalheads, geeks, hipsters, and bikers dig it. You will too. Monster Energy is more than just the green OG. Monster has Monster Ultra. Juice Monster, Monster Hydro, Rehab Monster, Dragon Tea, Monster Max, Muscle Monster, and many more. Buy on Amazon, buy on Walmart, or go to MonsterEnergy.com and believe me, you'll find a place. Unleash the Beast, Monster Energy. This episode is sponsored by Aurora. Do you know what the fastest growing crime in America is? For years, this crime rate has been surging and affecting millions of Americans. I'm talking about identity theft, and there's a new victim every 14 seconds. Yet despite this, those who have had their identity stolen are often shocked when it happens. That's why I'm excited to partner with Aurora, who is sponsoring this video. Aurora is identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, a VPN, password management, and antivirus software all into one easy-to-use app. Their VPN allows you to stay anonymous online by keeping your browsing history and personal information safe and encrypted. Protect you and your family from America's fastest growing crime. Try Aurora for free for two weeks and see if you or anyone in your family's personal information has been compromised. Start your free trial today. Go to aurora.com slash MSCS. The link is in the description below.